0: The scripture reading today is from Leviticus, chapter 19, verses one through two, and verses 36b through 37. Hear the word of the Lord. The Lord spoke to Moses, saying, speak to all the congregation of the people of Israel, and say to them, you shall be holy, for I, the Lord your God, am holy. I am the Lord your God who brought you out of the land of Egypt. You shall keep all my statutes and all my ordinances and observe them. I am the Lord. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. The great Protestant theologian of the 20th century, Karl Barth, once wrote an essay called The Strange New World of the Bible. In it he made the basic point that the Bible is a book like no other book. That within the pages of Holy Scripture we encounter a remarkable God who is unlike anyone or anything that we have ever heard of or even imagined. This summer, we've been preaching from this strange new world. The first five books of the Bible known as the books of Moses. Some of our passages have contained some strange unfamiliar things, some things that we don't uh, particularly like even but we've been encouraged to attend to the core message that the bible has of who this gracious and merciful God is most Sundays we've been in Deuteronomy we've also looked at the book of Exodus this morning our scripture passage comes from the book of Leviticus if you are a serious bible reader Leviticus is no doubt one of the most difficult and problematic hurdles for you to clear. Indeed of the 66 books that comprise the strange new world of the Bible, Leviticus is a candidate for the strangest one of all. But it is also one of the most important. For instance, at its very basis it gives us the framework from which we understand all that jesus did when he died for us on the cross and for the sins of the world so i think we need to take a look before that let's pray gracious god open our hearts and our minds illumine us through your word give us hearts to love you and wills to obey you even as we learn to know you in our minds we pray all this in jesus name amen so a little bit of context for this strange book in the first book of the bible genesis we learn about how god gave abraham a promise that he would bless abraham and his descendants and that through them he would make it possible for all the nations of the earth To have a relationship with God in the next book Exodus God reveals himself by name to Moses first in the burning bush and then on Mount Sinai God made a covenant with Israel there and gave them 10 commandments which they almost immediately broke they broke the commandments they broke the covenant God had intended to dwell with the people In fact, he had instructed Moses to construct a tent or a tabernacle in the wilderness. What is essentially a portable temple or dwelling place for God and this place God would use for him to come and live with the people among them. How remarkable the all-powerful all-holy God who created everything chose to have a relationship with the small insignificant people but more than that to live with them to dwell in this tabernacle or tent among them but through the disobedience Israel damaged their relationship with God to the point that Moses as Israel's representatives could not get into the tent he could not enter into God's presence so there's a dilemma and the book of Leviticus begins with this dilemma God is speaking to Moses but Moses is outside the tent because he can't go in and this gives us a really important question how in the world will Israel in their sin and sinfulness ever be reconciled to this holy God just to frame what's going on in the book of Leviticus and we're gonna do an overview and then we're gonna look at chapter 19 which is a really important chapter for us but just to, to put it into context if we fast forward to the beginning of the next book Numbers we see that God is again speaking to Moses but this time Moses is inside the tent so what changes how does Moses go from being prohibited entry into God's holy place from at the end of the book of Exodus to hearing God's voice inside the tent at the beginning of numbers well that's what the book of Leviticus is about it's the story or rather it's, it's the description of how God graciously provides a way for sinful corrupt people to live in his holy presence. And it's a little strange. Well it's a lot strange. But it's really important. First before we go any further let's talk about this word holy. If you use the word holy nowadays it's probably not in a very nice light unless you're talking about God and even then we may not really know what we mean by talking about God's holy holiness but when we talk about another person we say well they're just holier than thou it means that they have an air of superiority about them and you don't say that if you're trying to compliment someone it is not a flattering thing to say but the word holy especially when it applies to God but to really any Uh, any of us it simply means set apart or unique so to say that God is holy means that God is set apart from everything else why well because God is the one who created everything else all that exists God is the author of life itself God is pure unrefined goodness God is the essence of life God is absolute justice God transcends everything else that exists God is beyond anything we can imagine and so that's what we mean when we say that God is holy God is other than everything else and this holiness we read is so intense that it fills the tabernacle so that no one not even Moses Can enter it. So, what are God's people to do? How will Israel, they're God's people, but they're real, they're unjust, they're sinful people, just like us, how will God's people be able to live in God's holy presence? How will they relate to the most powerful being there is, the one who created them? Who created everything else in the universe well the solution is fairly basic somehow if they're going to live in the presence of the holy god they will have to become holy their sin is going to have to be dealt with and that's what the book of leviticus is about there is a series of 36 addresses or speeches that God makes. That's another reason why Leviticus is really important. It's almost all God speaking. So God makes these addresses mostly to Moses, and, and God outlines three basic ways or means that, are, that, that will enable Israel to live in the holy presence of the Lord. Leviticus is filled with detailed and what seemed to us like rather strange instructions about how to live our lives, how to order our daily life and our behavior in response to the Holy God. So the three basic means that are provided for by God in Leviticus. First Israel is given a series of ritual sacrifices and if they all observe these while they're in God's presence That will mean that they are holy. Sacrifices were fairly straightforward. Some sacrifices enabled the people to say, thank you. Thank you, God, for the good things that you have given us. Other sacrifices enabled them to say, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for breaking your will. I'm sorry for the evil that I've become a part of so those are rituals and you can read about them in great detail and they're strange but that's their purpose we still say thank you to god we still say we're sorry to god for some people who are not familiar with the church it may seem strange to them but that's because we're in the presence of a holy god and this is a strange new world this bible There were also a series of ritual feasts intended to help Israel to remember how God had redeemed and saved them from slavery in Egypt and brought them through the wilderness towards the promised land. These are more familiar to us. By celebrating these feasts regularly Israel could remember who God was and who they were as God's people because sometimes it can be really easy to forget. That you belong to God especially if you're living in a place that is surrounded by things that distract you the best known of these feasts I think we all know or we're at least aware of it was the Passover feast the symbolic eating of unleavened bread bitter herbs and lamb to remember how God delivered the slaves from Egypt so that's the first main way that God gave these ritual sacrifices and ritual feasts a second way that God gave to help Israel live in the presence of the holy God was the priesthood priests were specially chosen to represent the people before God they also represented God to the people Leviticus tells how Aaron and his sons were the chosen ones to be priests When we get to the New Testament we see how Jesus Christ fulfills this priestly role in a new and full way the background though for understanding who Jesus is and his priestly role that we read about in the New Testament comes right out of the book of Leviticus also priests are called to an extraordinary level of moral integrity and ritual holiness more than all of the other people of Israel are and this too is provided in strange detail but it is not only the priests who are called to be holy which leads us to the third main way that God gave God's people Israel so that they could live in his holy presence and it's all about a concept that is a little bit strange to us called purity because God is holy that is set apart That means that God is pure and when Israel is in the presence of God they need to be holy as well that is they need to be pure Leviticus uses two words to describe what it means to be worthy to be present in God's holy presence and that those two words are clean and pure someone who is considered unclean or impure was forbidden From being in God's presence because that meant that they were not in a state that was worthy of God's holiness Leviticus describes in great detail how a person could become ritually impure and this is again some of the really strange stuff you find when you read Leviticus for example if a person came into contact with certain bodily fluids or had a skin disease or touched a dead body it made them ritually impure or unclean remember the story of the good samaritan when the priest and the levite went by on the other side of the road in case the robbery victim was dead because if they would have gotten near and looked they might have become ritually impure or unclean now it's important to say that there was nothing in itself that is wrong or sinful about being impure impurity happens during the course of everyday life A person was inevitably going to become ritually impure but it was a temporary state lasting a day or maybe a week or two but then it was over but it was forbidden to enter God's presence while in that condition all of this is leading up to where our passage is today but let me illustrate what it means to be impure in this way Nancy and I uh, some years ago were invited by a friend who worked at the White House to see the wonderful Christmas decorations that are on display there every December. Perhaps some of you have had that opportunity as well, you certainly have seen them on television. Now we had a special pass, Um, our names were given, we had appropriate authorization, we had our identification, we got dressed up, we put on nice clothes, a coat and tie, we prepared When we went down there, it was a sunny Sunday afternoon. There were countless people walking around the White House, but they would not be admitted because they were not prepared. Later that day, I put on my workout clothes and exercised for about an hour. I got hot, I got sweaty. I was not in an appropriate state to go see the Christmas decorations at the White House with dirty hair and smelly clothes. I wasn't a bad person. I just needed a shower and I needed to clean up and I needed to become appropriate. Ritual purity is something like that. It means intentionally preparing ourselves to be in the presence of God. There were also certain foods that made you unclean if you touched them. It's easy to get lost in the details of these ritual purity laws, but the basic point is clear. For God's people to be in God's presence, this holy God means that we need to take care, to be holy in every aspect of our lives. It takes self-examination. It takes preparation. It takes thought. In addition to the concerns with ritual purity, Leviticus also describes God's requirements for moral purity. The Israelites were called to live differently than the people who would surround them in the promised land. In particular, the people called the Canaanites. It's this call to live differently that brings us to our passage this morning, which we had read for us. Leviticus 19. I noticed that the Bibles and the hymnals are back in the pews if you'd like to take a look at Leviticus 19 to see some of what we're not reading you'll find that on page 93. but the passage begins as we heard read God tells Moses to tell all Israel you shall be holy for I the Lord your God am holy really? How can anyone be holy like God? On the surface, it sounds like an impossible demand. But God continues, and after all the strangeness that we have encountered along the way up to this point, we finally hear some familiar words. If you're looking, you'll see that it begins in verse 3. You shall each revere your mother and father, and you shall keep my Sabbaths. I am the Lord your God do not turn to idols or make cast images for yourselves I am the Lord your God these are the familiar words of the Ten Commandments they're restated though Um, and these are the fifth the fourth and the second commandment it becomes clear as you read through the rest of chapter 19 of Leviticus that God's people are holy When they obey God's commandments God's law in fact the 19th chapter of Leviticus is structured around a review of the Ten Commandments except for one thing the order is changed around it's changed around to emphasize the commandments that focus on the horizontal relationships that we have with other people the first section of the Ten Commandments talks about how we relate to God vertically but this emphasis is on Our relationships with others the horizontal and the chapter culminates in verse 18 and that's printed in your Bible but it's also printed underneath the sermon title in your bulletin you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any of your people but you shall wait for it you shall love your neighbor as yourself I am the Lord love your neighbor as yourself that's what it all boils down to the long and the short of what it means to be holy as God is holy is all about honoring God by loving our neighbor did you know that this verse Leviticus 19 18 love your neighbor as yourself is cited more times in the New Testament than any other verse in the Old Testament it appears eight times Leviticus 19 is a chapter spells out in detail what genuine love for neighbor looks like for God's people it talks about the word neighbor and it rings the changes there's a wide range of people with whom the uh, Israel had relationships eight different words in this speech that God gives to Moses identify those for whom God's people are called to be the neighbor of, to care for, poor, alien, neighbor, laborer, deaf, blind, fellow citizen. This is an extensive list. And it tells us that neighbor is not limited to our peers who share the same social status as us, who happen to live along the same street, or in the same general area, or even in the same town. It also clearly includes those who are shunted to the edges of society, those whom the community may be tempted to ignore, or worse, to abuse, for economic, political, and physical reasons. What it means to love this extensive array of people Love your neighbor as yourself, that's not entirely clear, but it has to include wanting the same things for all of our various neighbors that we most want for ourselves. What do you want? What do you aspire to? We are called to love our neighbor in that way and to want that for them. That's what it means to be holy in the presence of God. And so if we love our neighbors as ourselves we're watching out for those with disabilities we're not rendering unjust judgments we're not nourishing personal hatreds or vendettas we're not taking vengeance or bearing grudges rather than hating others god's people are told to cultivate love love your neighbor as yourself in short we're supposed to see others as people with needs just as we ourselves have needs you shall not take vengeance or bear a grudge against any people any of your people but you shall love your neighbor as yourself when jesus was asked about the great commandment the greatest commandment he gave a brief summary of the law the love of the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. He was quoting, as we've heard last month in a sermon, he was quoting from Deuteronomy 6. The law that Deuteronomy 6 summarizes to which Jesus points is contained in all of its strange fullness in the book of Leviticus. And it summarizes down to this. Love God. That's what the book of Leviticus is about Leviticus provides the way that God gave for it to Israel so that they could live in God's holy presence by practicing ritual sacrificial offerings and regular celebrating feasts by following the directions of the priests and by observing ritual and moral purity in all aspects of life Leviticus goes into painstaking and obscure detail describing the full meaning of what obedience to the ten commandments looks like and it is by and large lost on modern readers however it made perfect sense to the ancient israelites in their context some 3500 years ago but in all the ways that described in leviticus god's people do things that god commands them to do and they refrain from doing what god prohibits and we are still called to do the same things to do what god commands us and to refrain from God, what God prohibits. But as I said in a word, all the commands in Leviticus come down to love. Love God in every consider, conceivable act, aspect with all we have, with all we are. That's the greatest commandment that Jesus quoted. The second commandment that Jesus cited is Leviticus 19. Love your neighbor as yourself, live this way and you will be holy, even as God is holy. Late in the New Testament, the book of Hebrews actually explains how Jesus has fulfilled many of the holiness requirements that we find in Leviticus. The various sacrifices, the feast days, the purity rituals are no longer relevant because Jesus is our high priest himself more than that he has become in him his own person the ultimate sacrifice Jesus has removed every barrier so that we can be in relationship with God through him but the emphasis on loving God with every aspect of our lives does not go away and as the body of Christ we are still called if you will to be different than the Canaanites To be different than those who inhabit the land with us but who do not worship the lord god and in this jesus himself is our guide john's gospel tells us in the 15th chapter that jesus said as the father has loved me so i have loved you abide in my love if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love just as I have kept my father's commandments and abide in his love. I have said these things to you so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. No one has greater love than this, to lay down a life for one's friends. And you are my friends if you do what I command you. Jesus loved God the Father in every way. Before the foundation of the world, the Son lived in perfect fellowship with the Father through the Holy Spirit. And it was Jesus' love of the creation of humanity. We who were created in God's image, it was this love that led the Son to come and dwell among us. When John describes it, he uses the word, literally, tabernacle. Jesus pitched, pitched his tent among us. And he loved us more than he loved himself. And he gave up his own life and became the ultimate, ultimate sacrifice for our sin. He was holy because he was God incarnate. And to follow Jesus as his disciples, is to take the 10 commandments to heart to love the lord our god with everything we have in every aspect of our lives and to love our neighbors as ourselves let us pray lord god it's hard to know sometimes how to deal with your holy word but in jesus christ it all becomes clear You call us to love you in every way conceivable, perhaps not in the ways that were conceivable 3,500 years ago, but in new and creative ways. And you still call us to love our neighbor as ourself. Amen.